7 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast, 3 p.m. in London, New South Wales, Sydney, and the like. It is 12 midnight, just turning to Friday. And in Malaysia, it's 1974. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Hmm. <laughs> Howdy. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, and the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it... No, okay, I'm going to get a copyright strike, but the sun was not out a lot today. It didn't heat up. We had rain through part of the day. Didn't get in the way of our shoot, by the way. We, we were shooting today. And uh, it's actually cool out this evening. I am not complaining about the heat. Yes. No heat complaints today because it's, it's actually quite nice. Luna Amethyst, yo, finally got a washer and dryer in your new house. Fantastic. Excellent. Congratulations. Um, is it one of those washer-dryer combo things or just a washer and a dryer? I, I never saw that before until I moved to Malaysia. And maybe it's, it can't be just here, but I don't know that it's certainly not popular in the U.S., it wasn't 20 years ago when I left, but um, there's actually, <laughs> I, I don't even know that this sounds safe, but there's a washing machine here you can buy that is one unit, one, one piece, and it is a washer and a dryer. It washes the clothes. Apparently, it sucks out all the water, and then it becomes a dryer. Weird. Just a washer and dryer. Well, don't say just a washer and dryer. <laughs> That's an accomplishment. They aren't cheap. Uh, really warm yesterday and uh, 80, 85 degrees. Yeah, that's that's warm. I almost can't relate because now I've started. Finally, after 20 years almost, next May it will be exactly 20 years if they let me stay again. Um. But yeah, I, I'm I'm finally now beginning to think of temperature in Celsius. It kind of makes sense to me. It doesn't take too many degrees to suddenly be a lot warmer. But um, I, I can relate to Celsius. I had to actually stop and think about how warm is 80, 85. But yeah, that's 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 pretty warm. Um, and Misha, demigod of discordance, hello, good to have you along for the ride. Thank you for stopping by. Appreciate your uh, joining the fray here. <laughs> yeah, we had um, we had a good couple of days. I last uh, last spoke to you on Tuesday, and this, of course, is Thursday. Tomorrow, thank God, is Friday, and uh, the weekend's here. Today in Malaysia was a holiday for most. Um, it's an Islamic holiday, and I don't exactly know what it is, but it was a very big holiday. This is, of course, the month of Ramadan, uh, fasting month, uh, Hari Raya, the, bra the uh, end of Ramadan will be coming up a couple, two, three weeks away. And um, next Thursday, I, I produce and direct a show called Urban Jungle Food. You can find it on Facebook. You can find it on YouTube. We do videos about the food you can find in the urban jungle, stuff that grows on the streets. But also we've expanded the show to be about kind of local treats. We did something on pisang goreng, fried bananas. Um, we've done shows on pandan leaves. And we always, we, we find the things out there in the street and then we go out and we get them with permission, and then we make something with them. Like with, with uh, pandan leaves, we made this really yummy uh, pandan chicken, pandan fried chicken. Uh, we've done uh, people that grew basil in their windowsills, a cute little guy. 
who made uh, spaghetti bolognese with the basil. And uh, we've done lemongrass. Oh, man, such a good, yummy Thai lemongrass soup. It was really nice. A tomato lemongrass, I think, something like that. Anyway, the show is called Urban Jungle Food. If you would be so kind, uh, check it out on Facebook, maybe after the stream, or pop over there on a new tab and come back. Urban Jungle Food. And um, give us a like and a share. And uh, anyway, we are we are going to do a live uh, Buka Pwasa event on Facebook and YouTube uh, live uh, next Thursday, one week from tonight. Now, next Thursday, uh, the breaking of fast should be around 7.20 or so. So we're going to start about 7.15. We've got our host, Zed, and the host of another show that we produce called Random Acts. And that is, um, uh, he's, uh, David is going to be ho- also hosting with Zed. And uh, we're going to do a, an event where we break fast together uh, live on a stream on Urban Jungle Food. And we've got a whole, we, we went out today to shoot a what's called a package in the business it's one it's a, a pre-recorded piece that's going to go into the live show and uh, we were at the uh, bazaar ramadan uh, which is basically one of the places where they sell all kinds of there's a bunch of them all over malaysia but they sell all kinds of food for uh, for ramadan for breaking fast so they open up about three o'clock in the afternoon they sell 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 all the way through and there's so many amazing and delicious foods that you can find there. And um, everyone who, mostly people who are fasting go and get their food for later in the evening when they break fast. Uh, I, I know to my Malaysian audience, this is like old news. It's boring, <laughs> snore. But there's a lot of folks watching. It's not old news. They've never heard it before. So bear with me. Um, anyway, we were out shooting today an insert segment for our live show next Thursday. So be sure you like uh, Urban Jungle Food. Check it out. And um, check out the other videos, too, because they're, re- they're really cool. They're, I think you'll like them. A uh, whole bunch of different variety of hosts and things. We go all the way back to doing uh, noni fruit, which is the most smelly, disgusting. Ugh, it's awful. But it's really good for you. It's a superfood. <clears throat> and um, moringa leaves. We've, we've done lots and lots. There's so many cool things you can find to eat right on the street, growing. And people with backyard gardens, things like that. Uh, Luna says, uh, you've been in Malaysia around as long as I've been around. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, yeah, so uh, those that was what we were shooting today. And the weather held out for the most part. We had little sprinkles, but it was okay. And consequently, we wound up with a uh, with a very nice, uh, cool evening tonight. Um, what else is going on? I've got some... Uh, oh, I got a new shirt. Check it out. I don't know, because of the lighting in here with all the red and blue and weird lights, I don't know if you can tell. It's pink, but then it's got this really cool color block thing on it with like a house and a pool and a cat by the pool. Anyway, so yeah, again, I never used to shop for shirts that I cared much about, except if I thought one was cool, I'd pick it up, t-shirts and things. Um, I have a whole closet of work shirts that I haven't worn in like maybe about three of them in the past year, uh, because of course we're still under house arrest. But um, yeah, so anyway... I got a new shirt. It is actually pink, but the color kind of fades in this background lighting. So uh, you'll you just have to take my word for it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think I got to do some adjusting here, but uh, let me see what I can uh, Facebook review this thing. Pop. There we go. Yeah, I got to adjust. Hang on. Oh, man, I'm telling you. All right. Move this over. Move this over. And then move this over. There you go. All right. This is a post that I shared from a film that I was in. Thinking of getting a bookshelf, Luna Amethyst? Well, get one. They're not, they're not expensive. You should absolutely. Anyway, uh, Shadow Play is an incredible, incredible film, which was uh, directed, conceived, directed by uh, Tony Pietra Arjuna. Uh, we call him Tony or Tony Pietra. Um, anyway, he added uh, pictures to the album Shadow Play. Uh, it is available, Shadow Play, 
And apparently there's some big news coming up. Um, it says, be prepared to subvert all expectations with Shadowplay, the movie. Um, enjoy the gallery until then. <laughs> uh, Praveen Kumar, an incredible cinematographer, lensed the film. Uh, Tony, of course, directed it. Paul Hashem was the art director. And uh, uh, Beijing Cheung uh, did uh, the color grading on it. It is a remarkable, a remarkable uh, piece of film. Uh, once again, I've got to do a little bit of adjusting here. Sorry, bear with me. It'll all be all right. Okay, so let me see. Uh, here we go. These are, uh, these are some of the stills from the film. And look at this. Eh, man. Some of it's not showing up. There we go. All right. Let me see if I can. There's uh, Tony Yusuf, who stars uh, in the piece. He's brilliant. Um, you, you see the, the color and the just the, the look of this film. It is available on, um, I think, Amazon. Amazon uh, for uh, also Vimeo. Uh, it's, uh, it's, you pay to watch it. But trust me. It is worth your time. And uh, Vimeo is another place that it's available on, I don't know what it's called, Vimeo Prime or something. Do, if you can, do check this film out because uh, it's it's an amazing film. And uh, it's just an incredible look. Uh, the, oh, and here's another good reason to watch the film. You see that guy with the shotgun and the leather jacket and the motorcycle helmet? That would be me. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in the film. I don't want to tell you too much about my character because it'll be a spoiler if you haven't seen the film yet. But um, yeah, that's me. My character, strangely enough, is called Shotgun Sheldon. So there you go. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, Roddy. Uh, it's a remarkable film. And I believe you would uh, love it if you if you if you watch it. I will warn you though. If you do watch it, you must pay attention. Turn off your handphone, turn off the distractions, and just watch the film, which, by the way, most people don't do these days, which is a shame. Get lost in this film. You will need to do that. Uh, but trust me, it'll be worth your time. It's an, an amazing film, and I am... Oh, look at this. This is downtown KL, by the way. Looking very pretty. <laughs> you will uh, you will enjoy this film. It's very cool. And like I said, not just because I'm in it. Um, there's another shot of me, by the way. Ah, there we go. Which, of course, <laughs> it's not lined up, so you can't see it. Let me do a quick adjustment. There you go. Um, I love this scene. This was so much fun to shoot. And this little guy here is a a very talented... Whoop. <laughs> Lost it. Okay, that little guy there is a an amazing, talented actor. Let me get back to... Uh, I wish I had his name, and honestly, I don't remember... There we go. I don't remember his name. But um, this guy right here who is in this scene with me. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. A lot of fun shooting it. It was... Uh, what was it, like two years ago or something? I think it was almost two years ago. That's incredible. All right, and uh, I got to brag one more time. Here he is. Here she is. <laughs> the amazing Miko. Um, over there on the table. Hang on. Over here. See my mouse? Over there on the table, just on the edge of that shot, there is one of her favorite treats. And she knows it's there. And so she's being... Ah, there it is. You see that? It's like a fish skin treat. She loves these things. They smell like hell. They smell like fish, but... Uh, and she knows it's there. So, of course, she's being a very good girl, just lying down with her tennis ball and waiting for her treat. <laughs> and by the way, uh, Miko is in the middle of what's called a blow. No, not what you're thinking. Be nice. Get your mind out of the gutter. A blow with Shiba Inus. Shiba Inus shed. They always shed. They shed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But about twice a year, they have a blow. And that means 
Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. <laughs> the fur comes out of these things like a blizzard in February. I'm not kidding. It is so bad, it just falls out. You pet her, you scratch her, and the fur just sheds. It's a blow. It just blows. Um, somebody posted this. I've cut the guy's head off in this picture, and because it is a it is a private post, but uh, I, not there. This is what you get when you have a Sheba, a Sheba Inu, and you have black clothes. Yeah, this is it. This is what half of my wardrobe looks like right now. See, there's a there's a white Sheba on the bottom. And it's not just because, as you know, Miko, you saw the picture, is a, is a tan, tan and white. But um, this is a white Sheba Inu. And this is, like I said, this is what a lot of my clothes look like now. And most of my house, if I don't vacuum it three or four times a week. Um, yeah, Misha, winter comes back with a vengeance. You're exactly right. <laughs> hey, Locus Pocus, hello there. Thank you for joining. Thanks. Good to have you along for the stream tonight. Um, it is always good to see you, of course. And uh, let's see, what else have we got going on here? Um, oh, I know. Okay, I got to get to what I talked about in my... <laughs> and again, it's not lined up. One of these days, I will actually manage to get this to work right the first time. Apparently, this ain't that day. I put this in my thumbnail because I thought of all the things I had to talk to. Nice to see you too, Locus. Uh, this this one really caught my eye. Somebody posted this earlier, and I actually answered them in a comment. Name one specific thing that you got in trouble for at school. I'll tell you mine. Well, I'll tell you what I shared. There were a few. I was overall a pretty good kid. I didn't muck up a lot, a bit. Everybody does. If you didn't, there's something wrong with you. But there's one particular one, the first one that popped into my head. Um, <laughs> uh, Misha says he had a lot when he was young. Well, share, share, tell us, put it in the chat. We want to hear. While we wait for your answers, I'll tell you mine. I set Rita Bailey's foot on fire. Okay, there's more to the story, all right? <laughs> Misha says, where do I begin? At the beginning, um, I got a magnifying glass, which was about this big around, on a gooseneck with a big heavy stand. And it was really cool. I forget, I got it at some junk shop or something. And I was in, um, I was in fourth grade? Fourth or fifth grade. And you know what? I don't actually know how old that would have made me. I'm going to guess I was around 10, maybe, I think. It was a long time ago. Okay, folks, how am I supposed to remember how old I was? I know I was in fourth or fifth grade. It was either Miss Baum or Miss Niebergall. See how you remember your teacher's names? That's how important teachers are. They can have such an influence on your life if you have a good teacher. Whatever whatever grade I was in, <laughs> I got this magnifying glass and I discovered the amazing ability of a magnifying glass to reflect the sun down to a focal point and burn whatever it touches. Because this was a big magnifying glass, really this big around. So I'm out at the uh, softball diamond, and we weren't really playing softball. We were just running around at recess. And I've got the magnifying glass, and I'm burning little bits of grass or ants or whatever it is that I'm focusing the sunlight on. And Rita Bailey comes over. Come to think of it, Rita wasn't even in my class. I think she was a class below me. Um, and she sticks her foot under... The, uh, the magnifying glass. Well, because this thing was so big, it's so powerful, it was a very bright, sunny day. 
it didn't take any time at all for her shoe to start burning. And it was a little bit of wind, wind and a very hot little thing that's burning and her shoe catches on fire. And I swear to you, to this day, I can see Rita Bailey running down the first baseline, smoke coming off of her foot as she's trying to stamp out the fire on her shoe. Oh, man. (laughs) It's just unbelievable. (laughs) Um, So, obviously, there is a chaperone, a teacher, who's been assigned to watch everyone. It's probably a couple of them. And noticed what was going on. I wound up getting sent to the principal's office. You know what? I don't remember. I think Mr. Stevens, as I recall, was the principal's name. I was sent to the principal's office, and my parents were called. Um, If I'm not mistaken, I got a whooping from my father, and the magnifying glass was gone. So no more magnifying glass. But Rita, I'm sorry I set your foot on fire. I haven't spoken or seen Rita Bailey probably since I left grammar school, but uh, (laughs) that was a million years ago. Uh, Let's see, Misha, scratching the lunch lady. What? Scratching the lunch lady? Wandering the school? Stole some stuff? Ignoring the staff? Wow, it is a long list, Misha. Uh, Then again, I was really young, and I just found out afterwards that I had a disability, forcing me to leave my school and go to a new one. Sorry to hear that, but uh, I hope that uh, that all worked out for you. Yeah, you know what? We're young, we're stupid, we're kids, we do stupid things. That's what kids are supposed to do. Like setting your classmate's foot on fire. She's running down the first baseline, trying to stamp out her foot, the flames coming off with the smoke coming up from her shoe. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Unbelievable. All right, what else we got here? Just a few light things today. Oh, this is really cool. I found this earlier. I thought I would share it. It's it's no big deal, but it's a locus pocus says I was a good kid. Mm, yeah, okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Not that one. There we go. Let's go back to this one. Um, yeah, right. Snicker, snicker. I was a good kid, he says. Not. Okay, check this out. We have banana trees here in Malaysia. A lot of them all over the place. There's four or five growing right along my street here. So anyway, check this out. I mean, again, if you're in Malaysia, this is not news. But if you're not in Malaysia or in a place where banana trees grow, uh, of course, we have uh, banana leaf rice, which is an Indian dish. I don't know if it's from northern or southern India. Somebody knows, put it in the chat. But um, uh, basically, they use the banana leaf as a plate. They come around with all the different sauces and things and put it on the banana leaf. And then there's also a specific way that you indicate whether you liked or did not like the meal. It depends on when you're done, if you fold the banana leaf this way or reverse towards you. I I don't know which is which because, man, I should have banana leaf. I, I love banana leaf. I have not had it in a long, long time. My first elementary was really mean, but I never knew until I got older. My second, I annoyed by the same guy from elementary to middle school. And on and on, goodness. Uh, School, I was told, is nice. Uh, My 3Ds got stolen there. So don't ever like school again. Wow. Yeah, Locus, these things are incredible. The, The things you can do with banana leaves, besides just lay it flat and use it as a plate, which is, you know, not that difficult. But these things are actually crafted from banana leaves. There's, look at this, you got bowls here, all kinds of stuff. There's packaging here on the side. Uh, Let me get my my mouse back in the picture. Um, It says, use banana leaves as natural packaging to reduce plastic use. That's really a brilliant idea. Um, In fact, banana leaves are used for like these these kind of Thai dishes also. Uh, This is like a... um, I forget what it's called, uh, but it's it's a very sweet uh, jelly kind of uh, dessert. And all these things all wrapped up in banana leaves and these bowls also made from banana. Big ones like this, little ones, medium size. 
It's incredible. It's very versatile and it's very cool. We actually did, I think we did an episode. Yes, we did on urban jungle food. We talked about urban jungle food earlier tonight. <clears throat> and um, check it out on Facebook, YouTube, Urban Jungle Food. UJF Malaysia, I think, is actually the, the link to the page. But um, we did an episode on how Malaysians use different leaves and things as utensils, including we talked about this, the, uh, the banana leaf. They are beautiful. That's very, very cool. Very cool stuff. Um, yeah, cool. Uh, all right. And uh, one more. This Again, this is not going to fit on the page, so you're going to have to give me a second while I adjust. I'm glad you all are so patient with me. <laughs> Just hang on. Hang on. I will get it. I love this doing this stuff live. Uh, it's really not working out. Okay, here we go. Um I mentioned this because our other show, Random Acts, did an episode. Random Acts is a show to celebrate people who do good things, common, ordinary people who just do random acts of kindness, of goodness, and we celebrate that. And we try in each episode to give back or pay it forward by helping out either with a donation of in-kind or sometimes cash uh, to help out people and the works that they do. And we did an episode on this group, which is called uh, Child Safety Malaysia. And they are the folks who make sure that uh, people have car seats for their kids, which is beyond important. And now, thanks in no small part to Janet Tan, it's the law. Yes, believe it or not, at one time, it wasn't the law. It ought to be. It should always be. And in fact... Um, I, to this day, see idiots driving down the street who apparently hate their children and want to see them dead because here's the kid either jumping up in the back seat or right in the front seat on the passenger side standing and just running around the car. Nice family. Too bad you're trying to kill them. You moron. So anyway, the wonderful work that this Child Passenger Safety International uh, folks in uh, National Child Passenger Safety Board in America handed out an award to Janet Tan, and she has been leading the charge. Janet is in our episode. If you go to Random Acts Malaysia on Facebook, you can see the episode we did with Janet. Apologies for the sound. We were working right outside of a giant air conditioning unit from this mall we were shooting at. We tried to clean it up as best we could, and there are subtitles. But... um. Janet's done remarkable work. She has been really leading the charge, as it says here, to advocate the use of child seats in Malaysia. And uh, she has uh, now uh, earned the Child Passenger Safety International Instructor of the Year Award. Congratulations to you. That is fantastic. Absolutely cool. And uh, yeah, influenced the government to pass child seat laws and uh, wins that international uh, award, which is well-deserved, and uh, really, uh, she's a remarkable woman and has done some great, great things for the safety of the kids here in Malaysia. <clears throat> All right, and uh, I want to read this. I may have read this before. I think I've read something like it before, but not exactly this. So listen close. Uh, shall I share it? Then you can read along if you want. Not going to fit on the page anyway. <laughs> All right, and thanks to Linda for sharing this. Every minute, someone leaves this world behind. We are all in the line without knowing it. And we never know how many people there are before us. This is the line we're talking about. So you have some frame of reference as I uh, read this. We cannot move to the back of the line. We can't step out of the line. We can't avoid the line. So we wait in line. Make moments count. Make priorities. Make the time. Make your gifts known. Make a nobody feel like a somebody. Make your voice heard. Make the small things big. Make someone smile. Make the change. Make love. Make up. Make peace. Make sure to tell your people 
that they're loved. Make sure you have no regrets. And make sure you're ready. Wow. Deep. Yeah. But um, meaningful. Meaningful. And as I get... uh, as I get older, I find these things, and they mean even more to me, seriously. When you get to be my age. <laughs> All right, stand by. More coffee time. I got one more, and then we'll get on to Peter Pan, because I've been yakking for 35 minutes now. Oh, man. I got to leave you on a happy note. I always do. I never leave you with these down, bummer, political crap or pissed me off about something. I always leave you on a happy note. And this is a kind of a combination of both. If you think you're smarter than the previous generation, 50 years ago, the owner's manual of a car showed you how to adjust the valves. Today, It warns you not to drink the contents of the battery. Yeah. (laughs) That's where we are. That's where we are. Seriously. (laughs) How far we've come, huh? Unbelievable. All right, folks. It is time to move on to the wonderful wacky, wild Peter Pan. (laughs) Uh, If you're not familiar with uh, what we do here, we will briefly tell you that we go to the folks at the Gutenberg Project, gutenberg.org. That's G-U-T-E-N-B-E-R-G. You will find all kinds of books. They are all in the public domain. They're copyright-free. You can download them in different formats, regular text files, Word docs, eBooks in most cases. And there's such a variety there. It is absolutely phenomenal, the kind of books. There's a search engine. You can search the site for whatever book you're looking for. Um, Yeah, sad but true, says Locus Pocus. (laughs) Indeed. Excuse me. So we decided... Since I love to read, I'm a voice actor part-time by trade, and um, we would, uh, we'd read a book. And so we got through The Wizard of Oz, we got through The Velveteen Rabbit, uh, we got through Alice in Wonderland. Mitch K. Hey, thank you, Mitch. <laughs> Good to see you. Thanks for the follow. Appreciate that very much. Thank you, Mitch. All right, so what we do is we read a chapter or half a chapter in this case, because some of these Peter Pan chapters are really long. I mean, really long. And uh, so we've been getting through the uh, the story of Peter Pan, and um, we finally got the guys out of, and Peter out of the um, out of the house, and they flew and made it to uh, Neverland, the island. And as we described last time, all the different groups of people were marching around the island trying to avoid each other. But since they were all going at the same pace, no one actually met up with the other because each one was after the other. Peter and John and Wendy and the other guy uh, are not yet on the island. We've just, they're flying up in the air over Neverland. Down on the island is where we find ourselves now. So here we go, Peter Pan. The first to fall out of the moving circle was the boys. They flung themselves down on the sward close to their underground home. I do wish Peter would come back, every one of them said nervously, though in height and still more in breadth, they were all larger than their captain. I am the only one who is not afraid of the pirates, slightly said in the tone that prevented his being a general favorite. But perhaps some distant sound disturbed him, for he added hastily, But I wish he would come back and tell us whether he's heard anything more about Cinderella. They talked of Cinderella, and Toodles was confident that his mother must have been very much like her. 
It was only in Peter's absence that they could speak of mothers, the subject being forbidden by him as silly. All I remember about my mother, Nibs told them, is that she often said to my father, Oh, how I wish I had a checkbook of my own. I don't know what a checkbook is, but I should just love to give my mother one. While they talked, they heard a distant sound. You or I, not being wild things of the woods, would have heard nothing, but they heard it and it was a grim song. Yo-ho, yo-ho, the pirate life, the flag of skull and bones, a merry hour, a hempen rope, and hey for Davy Jones. At once, the lost boys. But where are they? They are no longer there. Rabbits could not have disappeared more quickly. I will tell you where they are. With the exception of Nibs, who's darted away to reconnoiter, they are already in their homes under the ground, a very delightful residence of which we shall see a good deal presently. But how have they reached it? For there is no entrance to be seen, not so much as a large stone, which, if rolled away would disclose the mouth of a cave. Look closely, however, and you may note that there are here seven large trees, each with a hole in its hollow trunk as large as a boy. These are the seven entrances to the home underground, for which Hook has been searching in vain these many moons. Will he find it tonight? As the pirates advanced, the quick eye of Starkey sighted Nibs disappearing through the wood, and at once his pistol flashed out, but an iron claw gripped his shoulder. Captain, let go, he cried, writhing. Now, for the first time, we hear the voice of Hook. It was a black voice. Put back that pistol first, it said threateningly. It was one of those boys you hate. I could have shot him dead. Aye, the sound would have brought Tiger Lily's redskins upon us. Do you want to lose your scalp? Shall I after him, Captain? asked pathetic Shmee, and tickle him with Johnny Corkscrew? Shmee had pleasant names for everything, and his cutlass was Johnny Corkscrew, because it wiggled in the wound. One could mention many lovable traits in Smee. For instance, after killing, it was his spectacles he wiped, instead of his weapon. "'Johnny's a silent fellow,' he reminded Hook. "'Not now, Smee,' Cook said darkly. He is only one, and I want to mischief all the seven. Scatter and look out for them. The pirates disappeared among the trees, and in a moment their captain and Smee were alone. Hook heaved a heavy sigh, and I know not why it was. Perhaps it was because of the soft beauty of the evening. But there came over him a desire to confide to his faithful boatswain the story of his life. He spoke long and earnestly, but what it was all about, Smee, who was rather stupid, did not know in the least. Anon he caught the word, Peter. Most of all, Hook was saying passionately, I want their captain, Peter Pan. Twas he cut off my arm. He brandished the hook threateningly. I've waited long to shake his hand with this. <laughs> I'll tear him. And yet, said Smee, I have often heard you say that Hook was worth a score of hands for combing the hair and other homely uses. 
Aye, the captain answered. If I was a mother, I would pray to have my children born with this instead of that. And he cast a look of pride upon his iron hand and one of scorn upon the other. Then again he frowned. Peter flung my arm, he said wincingly, to a crocodile that happened to be passing by. I have often, said Smee, noticed your strange dread of crocodiles. Not of crocodiles, Hook corrected him, but of that one crocodile. He lowered his voice. It liked my arm so much, Smee, that it has followed me ever since, from sea to sea and from land to land, licking its lips for the rest of me. In a way, said Smee, it's sort of a compliment. I want no such compliments, Hook barked petulantly. I want Peter Pan, who first gave the brute its taste for me. He sat down on a large mushroom, and now there was a quiver in his voice. Smee, he said huskily, that crocodile would have had me before this. But by a lucky chance, it swallowed a clock which goes tick-tock inside it. And so before it can reach me, I hear the tick and bolt. <laughs> he laughed in a hollow way. Some day, said Smee, the clock will run down and then he'll get you. Hook wetted his dry lips. Aye, he said, that's the fear that haunts me. Since sitting down, he'd felt curiously warm. Smee, he said, the seat is hot. He jumped up. Odd bobs, hammer and tongs, I'm burning! They examined the mushroom, which was the size and solidarity unknown on the mainland. They tried pulling it up, and it came away at once with their hands, for it had no root. Stranger still, smoke began at once to ascend. The pirates looked at each other. <gasps> A chimney! they both exclaimed. They had indeed discovered the chimney of the home under the ground. It was the custom of the boys to stop it with a mushroom when en enemies were in the neighborhood. Not only smoke came out, there also came out children's voices. For so safe did the boys feel in their hiding place that they were gaily chattering. The pirates listened grimly and then replaced the mushroom. They looked around them and noted the holes in the seven trees. Did you hear them say, Peter Pan's from home? Smee whispered, fidgeting with Johnny Corkscrew. Hook nodded. He stood for a long time, lost in thought. And at last, a curdling smile lit up his swarthy face. Smee had been waiting for it. Unrip your plan, Captain, he cried eagerly. To return to the ship, Hook replied slowly through his teeth, and cook a large, rich cake of a jolly thickness with green sugar on it. There can be but one room below, for there is but one chimney. The silly moles had not the sense to see that they did not need a door apiece. That shows they have no mother. We will leave the cake on the shore of the mermaid's lagoon. These boys are always swimming around there, playing with the mermaids. They will find the cake. They will gobble it up, because, having no mother, they don't know how dangerous tis to eat, to eat rich, damp cake. <laughs> he burst into laughter. Not hollow laughter now, but 
honest laughter. <laughs> they will die. Smee had been listening with growing admiration. It's the wickedest, prettiest policy I've ever heard of, he cried. And in their exultation, they danced and sang. A vast belay when I appear by fear they're overtook. Knots left upon your bones when you've shaken claws with hook. They began the verse, but they never finished it. For another sound broke in and stilled them. There was at first such a tiny sound that a leaf might have fallen on it and smothered it. But as it came nearer, it was more distinct. Tick, 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 tick. Hook stood shuddering, one foot in the air. The crocodile, he gasped, and bounded away, followed by his bosun. It was indeed the crocodile. It had passed the redskins, who were now on the trail of the other pirates. It oozed on after Hook. Once more, the boys emerged into the open, but the dangers of the night were not over yet, for presently Nibs rushed breathless into their midst, pursued by a pack of wolves. The tongues of the pursuers were hanging out. The baying of them was horrible. Save me! Save me! cried Nibs, falling on the ground. But what can we do? What can we do? It was a high compliment to Peter that at that dire moment their thoughts turned to them, to him. What would Peter do? they cried simultaneously. Almost in the same breath, they cried, Peter would look at them through his legs. And then, let us do what Peter would do. It is quite the most successful way of defying wolves. And as one boy, they bent and looked through their legs. The next moment is the long one, but victory came quickly. For as the boys advanced upon them in the terrible attitude, the wolves dropped their tails and fled. Now Nibs rose from the ground, and the others thought that was his starring eyes still saw the wolves, but it was not wolves he saw. I have seen a wonderfuller thing, he cried, as they gathered round him eagerly. A great white bird is flying this way. Oh, what kind of bird do you think? I don't know, Nib said, awestruck, but it looks so weary, and as it flies, it moans, poor Wendy. Poor Wendy? I remember, said slightly instantly, these are called the Wendy's. See, it comes, said Curly, pointing to Wendy's in the heaven. Wendy was now almost overhead, and they could hear her plaintive cry. But more distinct came the shrill voice of Tinkerbell. The jealous fairy had now cast off all disguise of friendship, and was darting at her victim from every direction, pinching savagely every time she touched. Hello, Tunk, cried the wandering boys. Tink's reply rang out, Peter wants you to shoot the Wendy. It was not in their nature to question when Peter ordered. Let's do what Peter wishes, cried the simple boys. Quick, bows and arrows. All but Tootles popped down their trees. He had a bow and arrow with him, and Tink noted it and rubbed her little hands. Quick, Tootles, quick, she screamed. Peter will be so pleased. Tootles excitedly lifted the bow to, arrow to his bow. Out of the way, Tink, he shouted. And then he fired, and Wendy fluttered to the ground with an arrow in her breast. Oh, my.
that's the end of chapter five. We'll do chapter six next time, which will be on Saturday night. And it's chapter six is called The Little House. I hope Wendy's okay. We'll find out. <laughs> oh my, that was fun. Uh, it's 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 becoming more interesting as we get through this uh, through this book. It is a nice chapter. It's very cool. Uh, I love how it's approached in the Disney film. I know I feel weird to say this, but I love the approach. The Kraken, especially Octopus, makes the direct to video sequel, Return to Neverland. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah, that was a nice chapter. It was cool. I enjoyed that. That was fun. All right, guys. Um, that's it. We're out of here. We're done. Thank you. Thank you so much. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, share. Thanks to streambeats.com for the music, the Gutenberg Project for the book. Thank you very much. Oh, Kraken, especially the oct octopus. Okay. Um, <laughs> especially you guys, because you, you make it happen. By the way, a quick question. If you want to send me an email, it's nopants at jsheldon.com. Answer this for me. I do get your emails. I reply all of them. I always reply. So please do send me an email. But I need to know this. I should have done this in the beginning. We'll do more on Saturday night. I am seriously thinking right now I stream Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. I'm very seriously thinking about changing that to Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. I think. It's under advisement. Our Board of Directors of I'm Not Wearing Pants is taking it under advisement to possibly change our stream nights to Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. We'll see. Let me know what you think. Either tell me in the chat, send me an email, no pants, right there, see? No pants at jsheldon.com. I will get your email, I will reply you, and you let me know what you think about Monday, Wednesday, Friday, as opposed to what we do now, which is Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Or the other answer is... I don't give a crap. Stream whenever you want to. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much. And I will uh, see you again on Saturday night. That's going to do it uh, for me. I'm Jay Sheldon. and I'm not wearing pants. Good night. Yo.